How do you do? The Box Office Pulp Board feels it would be a little unkind to present this podcast without just a word of friendly warning. We're about to unfold a cinematic commentary track, made by a group of men who sought to create a podcast after their own ravings, without reckoning upon God. It is one of the strangest tales ever told. It deals with three great mysteries of the internet, analysis, observation, and deconstruction. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel you'd not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now's your chance to... Well, we've warned you. Now, to pause and refresh. For your convenience, we have an attractive refreshment stand in the lobby, with buttered popcorn, golden good and hot from the popper, your favorite candies, wholesome and rich, so delicious Dr. Pepper, so bright and bracing, with a tang and tingle unmatched by any other beverage. Our dwarves are now in Dr. Pepper at our beverage stand right now. And then return to fully appreciate this bump and a tragedy. Let the door hit you on the way out, Logan. Listen, I ain't leaving here till you tell me where Victor is. Come on, Bob, for old time's sake, huh? Did you just call me... Blob? No, but... The following movie is rated R. Order on now. It's on. Welcome to Mojo World, motherfuckers. Yeah. Everyone has multiple arms. <laughs> the most disturbing part about Mojo in the animated series is they made sure to add, like, the weird sticky slime noise to every movement of his. Well, he has no spine. It makes, yeah, I understand that. But, like, even when he's just standing still and talking, they're like, <laughs> it's Mojo. <laughs> well, I'm sorry they're being realistic to their art. <laughs> Look, Mike, I want to see a real slimeless slug stand before me and talk and then see if he makes, like, weird munching noises with his body just by talking. Of course he would. He'd he'd sound like Boar Gullet. (laughs) All right, Mike, I can't honestly say I know what Boar Gullet sounds like without listening to a soundbite, so you automatically win the debate because I can't prove you wrong. Hey, (laughs) Mike wins. For now. I'm going to go find Boar Gullet, and I'll let you know. I'm going to find no, Borg Gullet. No, you're lying. <laughs> I'll cruise the stars <laughs> till I find Borg Gullet so I can prove this bet. I found you, Borg Gullet. I love you. <laughs> what? Oh, you went a different way. I thought I was tracking him down to, like, freeze him in carbonite and give him to a bigger slug. Why would you do that? He's Borg Gullet. You racist. Borg Gullet's worth money on nine systems, dead or alive. Well, yeah, because he's a fucking delicacy. Oh, what do you think Borg... No, I'm not getting what Borgelt tastes like. Look We're at here that escargot. Folks, welcome. That's an old-timey joke. That's Hello, what I like about it. It's folks. a rich man joke. Shut up, Mike! We're introducing Cody's the episode. drunk, and so now I'm just going to be obnoxious to him to try to balance him out. That's only fair. Welcome to Box Office Pulp, your one-stop podcast for movies, Madness, Moxie, and tonight, we meander to the start of oof, Wolverine Origins. We're all very excited at the Bob Crew to talk about X-Men Origins, Wolverine. Anyways, I'm glad you did I'm the pause host. correctly, by the way. That made me happy. <laughs> You're welcome, Mike. <laughs> Anyways, folks, I'm your host, Cody. Joining me today for this bop in a movie are my co-host, Mike. Say hello again, Mike. Um, my power is I can um, kind of shoot things well because of 
nebulous reasons. I'm a very, like, D-list character from, like, a one-run in Deadpool that really should not have been brought into live action. I was in several drafts of the script. That was strange. Yay! And my other co-host, Jamie. Say hello, Jamie. I'm the final host being brought into the pool. The box I... office pool. Ooh, I assumed you lit light bulbs. I, I can do a couple of different things. The 70s were not common. I like the defensive there. I, I can do several things. <laughs> I feel like that's what that character would do, though. Like, you know, I make a good living at this carnival. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm still living off of residuals. Leave me alone. I'm in Star Wars now. Don't know why. Yeah. Oh, God. What about the holdout maneuver? Why oh, we just all please. suicide dive oh. into the... Anyway, that's the ending of uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Which oh, I don't need to get into God. But I like Dominic Moynihan. Same here, but you somehow made me more depressed than talking about X-Men Origins Wolverine. You, you, you made me remember Star Wars. Folks, speaking of depression, let me segue into the drink of the night. <laughs> that was the strongest segue we've ever had for this segment. I, I just I want to say before... We should explain a little bit. Between us recording the commentary for X-Men 3 and us recording this commentary, the entire coronavirus pandemic happened. So oh, we've all been sequestered. So Cody has lost his goddamn mind. I was already there. Uh, Jamie's just trying not to die every day at Walmart. So yeah, we're you two all have been bad sequestered. Place. I've been reversed sequestered. We've got cabin I'm in fever. We've got cabin fever. Cody's liver is die. no more. I don't need one, Mike. I'm one with the booze. I don't need one. I have this empty soda bottle here. I just pass everything through the Hassans go into that, and I squeeze them out. <laughs> I was going to say, I love how the arc of the X-Men franchise is matching where we are in these commentaries. <laughs> like, like, really, it's not coronavirus. As the days go on. The cure it's didn't corona- work. Is coronavirus not the Tom Rothman of viral outbreaks? This is this is it all collapsing. This is the la- this is the final straw. Like it was the final straw in Tom Rothman's career at Fox. Folks, yeah, I was going to say, folks, shut up. But I really, Go, <laughs> shut not up. Saying anything, they're at home. Which I hope they are being safe. We have an hour and forty-seven minutes of fucking Wolverine origins to go through. Let's just let's just just get on topic so we can get this over with and we can get drunk on the way. Speaking of getting drunk, not as good of a segue as before, but regardless, the official drink for X-Men Origins Wolverine is the Boilermaker. What you're going to need is an ounce and a half of whiskey, or more if you're a freak like me, and a beer. The more beer, the better. What The instructions, if you've never had a Boilermaker, this, you're going to like this. It's very easy. You drink the shot, and then you drink the beer. That literally all there is to it. If you want to be fancy, you can drop the shot glass into the beer and then drink all of it. I've got an hour and a half plus of movie to review, so I'm going to do these in time. I'm going to take the shot and then drink the beer. But at home, go nuts. Have a bunch of Boilermakers. Just keep chugging that whiskey. Uh, I mostly chose this because it was my first pick for X-Men 1, but I thought it would work better if I matched it for Wolverine Origins, because honestly, doesn't this seem like the Wolverine of drinks? No fuss, no muss, no weird garnishes. It's just good old hard liquor, beer, and you can talk with a fake Canadian accent. I feel like, though, Wolverine would still call you a pussy for drinking it. For the beer or the whiskey? 
No, both somehow. Oh, man. In X2, he goes after a beer, so he'll drink that. I imagine him as a whiskey man, but... You know. Oh, he's definitely a whiskey man. I just feel like well, the, the the concept of, of making uh, some sort of game out of it almost would just be, like, it, too far. It's not a game. You have a shot and chaser, man. That's it. it. This is as classic as alcohol goes. Not for Weapon X. <laughs> you said it with so much authority, I can't argue, <laughs> but I think you're wrong. <laughs> Like there's authority over order. this so like, fake oh, he's right. children's like character. Yeah, A is the first level of the alphabet. And it's like, oh shit, he said it. He's right. Yeah. All right. Well, folks at home, I mean, just I don't know. Grab, grab your whiskey and your beer. We're gonna, we're gonna watch X Men Origins Wolverine. This is a commentary, so we're gonna talk over the length of the film. If you have a copy of it, have fun. Join us. Put it on your DVD player. Play us in time with that, or just listen to us as a podcast. Again, not your dad, not your father, not your government. You you do what you want. Have fun. Live your life. But don't You're go outside. Right, we're not the government. Please don't go outside. Give that a couple more weeks. Yeah. Unlike uh, what I usually tell you, drink all that, shelter in place. Stay at home. <laughs> shelter in place. Yes. Mike and I are in agreement for one. <laughs> I'm going to count to three. After I say three, we will press play. Are we ready? I didn't drink my shot. Okay, go ahead and start it. Okay. I'll drink it when you say go. One, two, three. Oh, yeah. Ah, oh, 20th century films. I mean, 20th century <laughs> Fox. Woo. That's topical. It's We're really whiskey because it burns a lot. <laughs> Great. That's what you needed right now. More alcohol. Really what I need. This one's disappointing because the X doesn't glow like the other X-Men. That, that's, the, that's the thing. That's when they went wrong. Because they, remember, they stopped doing that for three. Yeah. It was they, always the top note I had. Like, hey, shiny X. And this time, nothing. Yeah, when they... They didn't have it here. Did they have it for any of the Wolverine movies? I don't um, think so. I think that's no, just... No, I think this was the last time. Huh. I, th I think they had it on... Uh, Days of Future Past? What was I? Oh. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> this is what everyone tuned in for, us guessing about the X. I just, it's been a while <laughs> since, I I mean, how often do you pay attention to the opening logos of literally anything? Oh, this is hey, the second time Hugh I've Jackman's watched X-Men Origins Wolverine. I'll be honest, this is the <laughs> second time I've watched this movie. I'm a bad co-host. Uh, this is how fucked this movie is from the get-go. The cuck play. Uh, James's fake dad looks more like Jackman than the actual dude who's supposed to be Logan's dad. <laughs> Easy there, Rodan. I don't want to... Okay, normally, folks, you know the drill. At this point of a movie, I'd just be running through, like, the IMDb fest of this. Like, the You don't have, a, you don't have uh, Wolvie facts? I have Wolvie facts. Wolver but I'm going to reserve them for after the opening credits, because they're the best part of this film. That by and large. Well, not, like, okay, the opening credits to this movie are probably the best part of the entire X franchise. They're kind of beautiful. They're amazingly beautiful. They're great. They're, like, intellectual. There's so much happening in them. We'll get to those when they happen. We have to go through this kind of weird melodrama first of X-Men Origins. Like, we get Wolverine's origin story told succinctly here. The weirdest retelling of origin ever. It's very, um, 
succinct. Yeah. Also, I'm very nice impressed. This paint. guy, though, looks almost exactly like Lieb Schreiber. So you get best oh, of yeah. both worlds. Yeah, right? yeah, that was good casting. I remember uh, how surreal it was just seeing a scene from Origin, even as awkward and cartoonish as this is. Like just seeing Origin represented on the screen. It's I'm surreal. Like that wasn't that old, but at this point, it was only about five years, I think. It's oh god, this oh, and this isn't how it the original father and is the kid slowly realizing like oh, I killed my real dad. We all have to oh, speak it's... in exposition because the scene has to be so short. It's this is not also how the original script opened, which it originally opened. The one that's kind of still. The one that's just written by Weiss and Beninoff. Um and that and that was still mostly going by like studio notes and stuff, but that one opened in a different time period with uh, James like walking down the road and stuff. It didn't use origin at all. Uh but that also yeah. jumped around differently and had a very different structure to it. Uh the beginning and, and where we go. It kind of jumped from an opening flashback to uh, Logan in bed with Silver Fox. Probably would have worked better. This might be structure, but it, it also didn't have uh, you know Victor and and Logan were brothers and stuff in in that version. Yeah, I, the idea of them being brothers is perfectly fine. It provides a lot of built-in drama. That's great. But this yeah. scene conveys it in such an over-the-top soap opera kind of way. It doesn't work for me. It's very awkward dialogue. Mm. It it feels very like I don't even know who filmed this these scenes. I mean, it doesn't well, help it, that, it moves... that that scenes literally couldn't be written, so that didn't help. It matter matters yeah. much either. Ah, here we're into the really great, amazing montage. This, yeah. this is up there with fucking like the Watchmen opening montage of just the oh, yeah. best. Just what an amazing idea that Wolverine and Sabretooth were brothers in arms and brothers throughout pretty much all of American history. And to be able to show that for like three minutes, it's inventive, it's clever, it's cool, it's exciting. This is like enough to sell the movie. If you made this the trailer, I would have shown up in theaters. And unfortunately, nothing else in the movie before or after can compare to what a cool idea and presentation this is. I and almost wish this was just the movie. Cool. It, yeah! Like, any one of these moments, they just picked a cool historical moment to fixate on. Like, what if it was just Wolverine and Sabretooth working through World War One? What if it was 1941, uh, but Wolverine and Sabretooth? Like, shit, you, there's so much potential they're flashing by that we will never be able to revisit it. Just think, somewhere on that beach is Captain America. (laughs) Building his mighty shield. And this sets up a lot of what uh, Gavin Hood wanted to do, and what Jackman also wanted to do, which is they really wanted to do a PTSD story. And this is really the only place Gavin Hood seems to be able to make the movie he wants to make. Is just in this opening title sequence. He seems to be only proud of this scene as well. Well, this, it's so fascinating. It's fun to watch. It's, it's cool. It's clever. 
there, there's so much going on here that I'm like, oh, I'm invested. This is amazing. Look at that transition of him just fucking blowing up a bunker to Sabretooth, enjoying way too much shooting the Viet Cong. Like, there is so much character and stuff going on here. I don't have bad things to say about Gavin Hood, but he is unfortunately the head of the worst entry in the X-Men franchise. Like, I, I'm not going to say Gavin Hood is a bad director. I just feel like he was saddled with a movie that was below his talents. It's... Uh, no one... It didn't matter who made this movie. It was such a toxic environment. This is how it was going to turn out regardless. Between the toxic studio environment and the writer's strike, it was a perfect storm. It didn't matter who was behind the camera. And in most instances, I don't even think Gavin Hood is necessarily even behind the camera. Like, uh, I think yeah. that he, he's just filming scenes. Uh, he's filming things he's being asked to film at the end of the day. Uh, oh, yeah, they were like receiving new pages of script every day, weren't they? Sometimes with like 24 hours whoa, to prepare. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. Executive producer Richard Donner? What the yeah, fuck? This was a, yeah, this was a Donner Company uh, production. Uh, Richard Donner actually was came on the set to try to mediate between Hood and the producers. Yeah, because they were just going to fire him. They had, like, two people lined up already. Yeah. It was awful. Also, to interrupt, this is, yeah. this is, like, the most amazing Wolverine scene. Just Wolverine and Sabretooth tied up <laughs> in a firing range, and Sabretooth saying, wake me when it's over. <laughs> oh, and we just hit the part of the movie where I don't give a shit anymore. We made it a minute 39 into the film. God. Goodbye, Cody. How is that possible? It starts with so much promise. It's. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm, I'm, there's a minute 39 left in the film. <laughs> Thank God. It's... G Gavin Hood's only talked about, like, a, a lot about this film only a few times very briefly. And you, But you can kind of, every time he talks about it, every time other people have talked about it, you can start to see a, kind of a timeline of where things started to go awry um and it was very rapidly where this was pitched as a r-rated revenge movie about a soldier with ptsd essentially like that's what jackman wanted to do that's why jackman went to gavin hood um so it started to be developed that way they they hired Wise and Beninoff, who hadn't made Game of Thrones yet. Before Wise and Beninoff really even started to make the scripts, Fox started to get ideas of things oh. they wanted to do. Um by the time the writers strike Wait, happened, wait, wait, Mike, you're saying Fox? impeded a movie from being the best it could be it's strange right and and we talked wait, about wait, wait. you're saying a 2000s era fox movie <laughs> by tom rothman up by executives well i don't know what to believe and, and you well, mean to tell me that 20th century fox <laughs> in the year 2009 <laughs> had conflicting internal ideas about where to take the X-Men franchise at that critical juncture? Is that what you're saying, Mike? Remember when you, me, and Dupree was their highest-grossing movie one year? I'm sorry, Mike, say that again. What was their highest-grossing movie? You, me, and Dupree. 
the dog. I'm going to go jump off my balcony. Um, so a lot of things suddenly got thrown in there. Like, why isn't Benoff's script, which has been online for, like, a really long time. It's their original script, which, as I talked about, opens differently. It, it has a lot of the same stuff that's in the final movie. It plays better, ultimately. It, it's, it's not as jam-packed. It has a different structure, but a lot of the same scenes. And it's kind of interesting to, to look at. You know, unfortunately, it still has stuff like the adamantine bullet and and whatnot, but it it, it works better. Like it's supposed to be a very like straightforward, fast paced revenge film, which this still kind of is. But it's also Fox decided like it also needs to be an X Men mo- movie and set up uh other other spinoffs and shit. Also, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you hire Will? Am I and and shit like that? Like, uh, there's <laughs> we a lot have of stunt several casting. famous people. Put them in. Um, be, after the writers' strike, that's when Fox decided uh, Gambit needs to be in the movie. Deadpool needs to be in the movie. Uh, there needs to be like a Weapon X team. Um, you need to do all this other stuff. We we plan to do like this. Uh, we saw we may do like a X Men origin kind of movie with like a young X Men team. So can you kind of like set that up too? Mind you, they couldn't re- write anything. I'm sorry, Mike, to interrupt you. We just missed a very wanted scene. <laughs> I hate Asians here. At the end of the 2000s in a single scene. Ready, yeah. much. Before, I'm sorry, Mike, before you go into the history of this, I just want to say it's it's honestly a shame because X-Men Origins starts fairly strong. The great yeah, sequence yeah. is amazing. And then this scene is pretty fun to see a team of mutants go after a compound and all get to use their special abilities. It seems like this is Chekhov's gunning the entire rest of the movie. Oh, it's yeah. not, but it seems no. like it's setting that up and it's setting up a weird, fun team of characters who can all do cool things. I like it's delightful. World, here's your Deadpool. And, and you have a great prequel movie to a Deadpool series. Instead, this turns out to be like the ex-girlfriend to Deadpool. Like it inspires <laughs> Deadpool to be better but out of spite instead of out of love and, and conditioning. So I, I have a uh, I have my own Wolver fact here. Uh, when, Wolver fact! When, when Blob punches the tank, that's Kane Hodder. Really? Oh, really? Yep. Oh, that's so cool. I he never knew that. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Kane Hodder's had to do all sorts of stunt stuff besides Jason. I mean, he's that's what his career was before Friday the 13th. Yeah. But I never think of him doing actual stunt stuff. I just assume, you know, like at this point, hiring Kane Hodder for your movie is kind of a gimmick, so people do it all the time. I don't think of him having his own, like, undercover career going in the background. You forget he still just does normal stunt work. Yeah. Oh, look at those swords fly. Speaking of wanted, I was yeah, yeah, pretty cool scene for the most part. Oh yeah, and and Reynolds kills it. I mean, Reynolds is literally just improving everything he's doing because there wasn't writers and they couldn't legally write anything. (laughs) Look, if you have a bad movie and you cast Ryan Reynolds, he'll be the highlight of your film. I mean, we've all seen Blade Three, we've all seen Green Lantern. We understand if your movie sucks and you need some charismatic, just plug Ryan Reynolds in to cover the gap. <laughs> Reynolds will do his best, always. 
Oh, oh man, in my phone, I was so mad about this. I just typed Green Reynolds because I was trying to find. Oh, I've had that dream. <laughs> Ugh. That's, that's it. This is unrelated, but before we get too far away from it, I do want to say uh, that this movie uh, draws the opening inspiration from Origin. It does not have a single thing in common with Origin other than those events. Origin is actually a very beautiful and underrated comic. I definitely recommend checking out. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I didn't know there was a comic with the same name. Oh yes, that's uh, that was the first place Wolverine's origin uh, was told. It's t- oh, it's titled well, simply Origin, created out of fear of X Men Two spoiling. Pretty much, yeah. It's uh, I mean, there's a reason even Mangold's kept still calling back to it. Like, Mangold kept using the James Hallett name for a reason. If I can, if I can call back to X Two though, that did such a wonderful job of teasing Wolverine's origins, but also saying, hey. This shit doesn't matter. Where Wolverine can be the person he is now, and his history doesn't matter because he's defined himself by his actions currently. Like, X2 is a perfect precedence of saying, I have an interesting backstory. I don't give a shit. Well, I'm going to move on. I'm a new person. Yeah, Actually, they moved on to an origin movie afterwards. There's a lot of missteps from, like, step one. <laughs> in this movie uh one of them that uh is such an out of the gate downer for me is how they don't even really follow up with the idea of logan being a horrible person who's part of a striker hit squad which yeah. is what was set up in the first film like yeah. no nah, he's just he's always good regular superhero wolverine yeah he's yeah, wolverine he's beforehand he's wolverine after it's there's no Goddamn difference. Like, at least Solo had a little bit of an arc to play with. Yeah. Well, one thing I really enjoyed, I, I, I recently binged the X-Men animated series, and one thing I really liked about every time they explored Wolverine's origins, they went into the fact that he had implanted memories, and he didn't know what was true about his past and what was made up, and he had to just kind of walk that line. Like, what person am I? Would I have done that? Would I still do that? And he just had to roll with what he believed and what he thought was fake. Which is really interesting, because you get a lot of character drama baked into that premise. That's super fun. And and it tells so much about the current history of the character, because they have to decide what to do with all that weird, confusing mishmash of backstory. Origins does not give you that. Uh, it's, 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 it's very disappointing. Uh, anyways, Folks, if you have Disney Plus, you can go watch all of X Men, <laughs> the animated series. It's pretty fun. It's obviously dated. There's a lot of laser guns, but you'll have fun. You know, I've never thought of it this way, but considering this movie contradicts stuff that happens in Days of Future Past, even before the past is altered, can we just make it headcanon that this entire film is a memory implant? That's fine. That works for the me. The continuity of X-Men movies is so fucked up, it really doesn't matter. The, the continuity is actually really not that fucked up if you just ignore this movie. I don't know, Mike. Even if you ignore this, I still think with the time travel and stuff, it doesn't connect super nice. Well, no, but it's not, like, too iffy. Like, ridiculously so. This would, I would say, the series that most closely resembles all the weird time travel bullshit and reconning 
recounting that would happen in the animated series. Oh, the movie, if you, really, even if you kept X-Men Origins Wolverine in there, um, this still makes se- more sense than any continuity of an X-Men comic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's fair. All right, so now is as good a time as any to get into our X-Facts. Yeah. Also, are we in are we in present times now? This movie seems to always forget because I think Fox was afraid of it being a period piece. Well, Mike, all the other X Men movies happen in the near future. Also, look at the CGI of that wood. (laughs) No, you can't make me look to the left. Oh, this reminds me of uh, when around uh, around the same time Dumb and Dumber -er came out, the Dumb and Dumber prequel. Mm-hmm. Which is also just set in, in modern times because studios were really afraid of period pieces. Oh, how that would change very quickly. <laughs> what a weird thing all these lumberjacks are laughing at Wolverine for having a girlfriend. Like, what the fuck? They're in high school. I don't know any l- fucking lumberjacks, they, but I'm pretty they, sure they would be like, ah, you got a girlfriend. They're ah. lumberjacks. They go in the woods and have sex with one another against the trees. That's what lumberjacks do. God damn it. Don't you know anything like, about lumberjacks? Yes. Mike, you've just pitched a sequel to the, the the lighthouse. You've done good work. Thank you. You like my lobster. We we bring Willem Dafoe back. You like my furs? <laughs> oh, what a freak that sword swallower! Boy, the man in the box and uh, Dominic Monaghan. Sorry, I'm gonna. Okay, Lord before Dominic. we get to our Dude, expects, this is, I Dominic Monaghan as this character is my entire life. I feel so bad for this man, not the actor, the man, Dominic. He's an incredible actor. He's been in great stuff. Like, you can't argue with the Lord of the Rings. Fuck, he's, he's amazing even in stuff like I Sell the Dead. He's fantastic. Lost. Fuck, man. Oh, great character. Great actor. And unfortunately, he is in stuff like this, where I don't know if it's Hollywood not having a use for him, or it's him just kind of turning down giant pictures because he has enough money to live off of. Where he just kind of picks fun stuff. I don't. I don't know what to think. I want him to be in more things because, like, I'm assuming you guys are the same. You pick a couple of people. You think that's my favorite actor. Whatever they're in, that's my favorite. Oh uh, yeah. And he was one of mine. Like Ron Perlman, Dominic Monaghan. Like those guys were like, whatever they do, I'm here to watch. And unfortunately, he is not in a lot of amazing things. I haven't seen Radio uh, Silence yet, so hopefully that's pretty good. Uh, I, honestly, I do get the impression that's just like, he has enough money to live off of forever. So when he acts, he just wants to do random things that he enjoys. The Rupert Grint life. Oh yeah. It's just it bothers me so much because this is a great spot. He's in a cool movie. Like he has a chance. He was in the X Men Task Force, well, Weapon X, whatever you want to call it. Eh, he doesn't do much. And then they transition him into a depressing carnival life where he gets killed off. He's having a good time of it, though. He doesn't Lighting seem that happy bulbs. to be living the carnival life. Yeah. Do you know how many babes he gets inside of that trailer filled with light bulbs? As a carny, I would assume none. Just living the fester life. <laughs> oh, he's like the character in, um... What's that uh, Joe Dante movie? Uh... The fucking hole in the floor. Oh, the hole. The hole. (laughs) Literally the hole. The hole, yes. (laughs) 
He's the Bruce Stern character. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I feel like Dom Monahan is absolutely going to have a Bruce Dern career once he gets <laughs> some, uh, salt and pepper in there. I could see that. Uh, for everyone at home who hasn't seen it yet, I Sell the Dead is just a fantastic, <laughs> really great, low-budget, weirdo comedy horror film. If you haven't seen it, watch it. You'll love it. Uh, if you've enjoyed anything from Glass Picks, that's where you got to go next. Wholeheartedly embrace it and love it. I really, really wish that we'd gotten like five sequels of that weird quasi-hammer film made in like 2000. <laughs> anyway, is this confusing? Because Wolverine apparently reacts to a nightmare to Dominic Monaghan dying by Sabretooth. Obviously, that's not what the movie's really implying. That's what the editing does, but it seems weird. All I know is Hugh Jackman is very muscular in the scene. Oh, Jackman is jacked. Jackman looks in fantastic shape, which is weird. If you go back, folks, and watch X-Men 1, maybe even 2, he is not nearly in as good of shape. He's gotten more muscular as time has gone on. Oh, it's like old rock and new rock? Yes. X-Men 1 makes sense, because Jackman was brought in last second, so he didn't have time to get ripped. Oh, he just gets more and more muscular every film. Wolverine since then, and has gotten just progressively more and more jacked since time has gone on. It's impressive his dedication to the role. I will say, uh, it's always very amusing to see Jackman working a Wolverine job in this movie. With a stogie. (laughs) Yeah, they go that far. Oh, Danny Houston, get out of here. You deserve better. I, it's sad. Okay, I, I shit on this movie all the time, but I'm mad because there's a lot of talents I appreciate so much. Well, the here. cast of this movie is incredible. I, yeah, that's really it. Everyone in this movie is so good and deserves more credit than what this film is. And that really extends to so many people involved in it. Like the director of Gavin Hood? Motherfucker is not a bad director. This is not a schlock guy who just got a big budget job. Hugh Jackman, we all know Hugh Jackman. This guy's dedicated. Fucking Ryan Reynolds is amazing. Dominic Monaghan, even in his small role, is really fun. Leave Schreiber? That guy's great. He's so good. Schreiber is amazing. I love watching him in any movie he's in. He's probably the MVP of this movie. Danny Houston, too. What just... Ah, fuck. That's amazing. I get mad because all the pieces of this film are great. And they don't combine to anything I want to watch. It's it's almost a skill to combine all those solid gold elements into something that's trash. That's like you're watching Heaven's Gate. Well, it's just all oh. so much. There's just so much of everything. They'll have to so move there's so nothing fast. of anything. Is somehow so long. Like Wolverine does the most Wolverine origin story possible where he's a lumberjack with an axe across his shoulder wearing plaid. Yeah, I don't know. Man, it just bums me out. Here's a behind-the-scenes like little factoid that I think really sums up the hell of a production of this film. Hugh Jackman was on IMDb one day while they are making the movie and called oh, no. Gavin Hood to ask, when did our movie get retitled to X-Men Origins Wolverine? Oh, really? They found out through IMDb. What was the original title, do you know? Just Wolverine. That would make more sense. What a weird mishmash of a title. 
It's just it, sorry. It's weird. Fox was like, "No, you only make three movies and then you stop." So now we have to go to spinoffs. But they still wanted X Men movies. So fair, like, that was the common title. knowledge at the time. Like you do three of a thing and then you switch to something else. It, everyone thought trilogies were what you did. Then they didn't yeah, realize it's like, very true. Like Marvel it's not even just a Fox thing. They didn't realize you could do forever. Like Harry Potter was weird at the time because there was going to be so many of them. Honestly, Harry Potter is still kind of weird. Not as weird because Fast and the Furious has gone on for like nine movies and they're still going and they have spinoffs. But even now, most people think, oh, they're going for a trilogy and it's weird if they don't get that. Like, oh, people, there was... people, people being me, people are still mad that there's not a Hellboy 3. They did a Hellboy reboot after two. Like, no, you gotta do three. I'm mad about uh, Hellboy 3. I want a Hellboy 3. We all do. Don't we all? God, now that I think about it, we're essentially watching the 2000s equivalent of the Hellboy reboot. Very uh, similar behind-the-scenes drama. Jamie, you're so right, it makes me really mad. Okay. <laughs> Nothing interesting is happening here, so I'm going to read through my X-Facts. <laughs> Folks, boy, you're a, you're a long way into the movie, I'm sorry. <laughs> but the movie in front of you was directed by Gavin Hood. And let's be honest, most of us don't know Gavin Hood's other films. Uh, his movie, Satsi, won the 2005 Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film. I didn't know that until I researched this movie, so if you didn't know it, you're on my level. That's how he got this, nice. is uh, Jackman oh. saw that and got Hood to direct us. God damn it, Jackman, you've ruined this man's life. Yeah, he probably got paid. <laughs> Anyways, uh, as of this moment... Uh, Hood has directed nine films. Uh, the the movies that we recognize, though, as Americans would probably be Rendition and Ender's Game. That's right! Gavin Hood directed Ender's Game! What the fuck? Oof. Yeah, poor dude. Like, he deserves better. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If, there are probably fans of Ender's Game, the movie, that are like, No, don't say that! And, sorry, but, no. Hey, it's Man, not no. Gavin Hood's fault that Orson Scott that, Card is a person. I would agree. Gavin Hood, like, he's got a lot of potential, and he just, unfortunately, has attached himself to some really subpar things. Yeah, so it's a very beautiful movie. Like, it's, it's, it's weird seeing a beautiful indie career nipped in the bud because he had to go immediately go to studio movies. Kind of like the first rumblings of what would later happen to a lot of indie guys uh, for, from the past decade. You just get plucked and immediately drop into a superhero film because it doesn't make money. Also, Jamie, you've seen Satsi? I have. I seek, I sought it out whenever Hood was originally tapped for Wolverine. Oh, shit. I have never seen... I still haven't seen that movie. Nobody remembers it. That was, that was a very, uh... Now you see it, now you don't prestige movie. Oh. Uh, that's sad. I mean, it is 15 years ago. That's a hard time to remember. I was but a boy. Uh, <laughs> folks at home... <laughs> You'll definitely recognize our screenplay writers, David Benioff. Uh, oh, sorry, and Skip Woods. No one knows Skip Woods. But <laughs> Skip has written a lot of blockbusters. Swordfish, Live Free or Die Hard, A Good Day to Die Hard, The A-Team Movie. That one I actually liked. Shut up. <laughs> uh, and the Hitman movies. Moving on. He's called <laughs> the... Um guy who just does studio notes where the producers just tell him what to type. Maybe. That's pretty that, much... That feels judgmental. I don't want to throw that on Skip, because, like, 
He's he's like Aaron Kruger. Like Aaron Kruger is yeah. like Michael Bay's go-to guy where it's like I don't want you to bring anything of your own. Just do what I tell you to do. Skip Woods is kind of like I don't know like if I that. agree with that. That's probably right. I'm still mad about Stream 3, so I'm going to agree. <sighs> so before we get too far away from it, I want to point out that we just got one of my favorite scenes in movie history. Uh Lynn Collins telling a, I guess what's supposed to be a Native American folklore <laughs> story about uh, the Wolverine who howls at the moon. <laughs> because 30 years later, no one involved with the character of Wolverine knows what a Wolverine is. <laughs> that thing that has been consistent throughout Wolverine's entire publication history. I think it's best that we just pretend Wolverine, the character, is named after a wolf-type creature that's called a Wolverine that only exists in the Marvel Universe, and the weasel wolverine that's in our world doesn't exist in that world. I think we just need to go with that, because otherwise you get awkward. Nope, that's cool with me. Let's, let's, cool, super, super fine. Although, I will say, fun topical thing, because people who listen to this from, like, a year from now are going to be very confused. The governor of fucking Michigan <laughs> was derogatorily called... The Wolverine Queen, because she wouldn't bow to people who said we want businesses to open in the middle of the pandemic, which is a strange thing because that's a fucking cool name. Yeah, that's an awesome name. If someone called me the Wolverine Queen, I'd be like, God damn, fuck, shit, yes, I have to join a roller derby league. That's too cool. I got to use this. (laughs) I'm sorry, we're watching a very hackneyed origin for Wolverine's it's very oh, our second instance of a character looking up at the sky and going, "Oh, yeah. won't be the last." Don't do for at least two more. Wolverine does that a lot. Uh, I'm sorry. All right, more Wolverine facts. So the screenplay was by David Benny. Oh, David Benioff. I don't want to get into it this episode, so we're we're gonna glance past this. Game of Thrones. Yeah, so you didn't Benioff like the was... last season of, like, eight fucking seasons. I didn't Get like over it. the last two and a half seasons of Game of Thrones. Uh, Benioff started off strong with that show and did not end well. And his post-show interviews did not help fans' opinion of him. Let's move on past that, because he's done a lot I, of other I things. I believe everything he said was correct. Danny kind of forgot about the Iron Fleet? Sorry, I, I don't want to go into this because we're just going to yell at each other and I will officially <laughs> hate Mike. I'm going to fight him. I will just drive to a fucking the East Coast and fight him. But let's move on. Guys, let's do not on. become Wolverine and Sabretooth. That's the thing. Over late 20-teens prestige HBO shows. Benioff is not a bad writer. It's it like I will, I will admit that fully. Fuck, uh, uh, an extremely funny episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia was written by Benioff. Uh, for those curious... 2013's Flower for Charlie, uh, season nine. That's a pretty funny episode. He actually <laughs> wrote that one. That's a weird note, but yeah, he's he's not a bad writer. The guy's pretty good. For Which some was reason, my point. That, that was just a. 
I'm very mad about two and a half seasons of a TV show. Uh, but being a good writer doesn't necessarily mean you're good at endings. So maybe that's no, the problem. I'm not super happy with the, at the last season either, but I'm not going to call him a bad writer. No, I'm not going to do that either. I'm just saying ugh, Game of Thrones makes me very angry. But Benioff <laughs> has been involved with a lot of honestly good things. We shouldn't write him off. It's just a highlight of his career. Because everyone's going to know him from Game of Thrones. Like his obituary is going to say, goddamn writer of Game of Thrones. Or showrunner, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah, that's going to be, gonna be uh, George R.R. R. Martin's tombstone. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I don't like how they would put God damn in his obituary. God seems, damn, more obituaries need that. Like, God damn, he's dead. What a fucking loss. <laughs> Folks at home, if I ever become important and I die, please put that in my obituary. Now, more profanity, the better. Now, I will say, uh, going back to this movie's uh, handful of strengths, I've always enjoyed how brutal this fight is. I find it, this is one of the very few satisfying fight scenes in this movie. Oh, yeah. Great part of the it video game, very too. Much, <laughs> yeah, it's it's very much a, a Rocky fight scene, though. Because you, you know Wolverine has to get his ass kicked by the main villain so they could regroup at the end of the third act and reconcile that. Like, Wolverine comes around and shows his strength over the guy who beat him previously. Here's that's, a, that's not a no, complaint about this movie. That's just general movie formatting. Yeah. Like, your villain has to beat you earlier so you know what a threat he is. In a sports film, that's just how it works. Like, he's got to kick your ass once so you can kick his ass at the end, and apparently that's more official. I um, no, I have another fun, like, Gavin Hood fact here. Um, I have barely made it through my X-Facts, but please continue. He, um... <laughs> So other than like stuff like stuff like this, of course, is him directing. But a lot of like the basic action scenes. Uh, some people have called it out as maybe kind of a positive, and other people like they kind of like like the that it has like an '80s action scene style. Like it's kind of like the action scenes are kind of cheesy, and like had that '80s sort of vibe to them. Gavin Hood the film doesn't the same have that thing. look, but I could see like if you film with more grain, people being. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, uh, tricked into believing that. Yeah, yeah. I could but specifically, I could just the action it. scenes. And Gavin Hood felt the exact same way. They all looked like '80s action scenes. He spent the entire production arguing with the second unit director, who just felt like the movie should look completely different. So the second unit director just filmed the movie differently than Gavin Hood. He thought Jesus it should Christ. look like an '80s action movie and filmed the scenes like that. And Oof. Gavin Hood could not do anything to stop it. Because he wasn't in charge of his own goddamn movie. And people at home maybe don't realize it, but second directors, third directors, like even fourth and fifth unit directors control a lot of the movie. Like anything that doesn't have the star. Yeah. You know, first and foremost, film a lot of the movie so they can kind of control the cinematic language that's happening. Uh, I read a interview recently with Roger Deakins where he's been pissed off at studios because he has a certain way of directing and the studios haven't seen eye to eye with him. Uh, apparently in Blade Runner 2049 the studio came back, looked at the script and said, yeah, we need six different units to make this entire movie. And Roger Deakins went, no, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm the director of photography. I'm going to film this movie. Which is an astounding idea, because everyone thinks like, yeah, second unit, you have a different group to help catch you up. But apparently, if I'm understanding this interview correctly, Roger Deakins said, no, I'll film it, because I don't want it to look 
different each time it's not me behind the camera. I want it to look like one consolidated idea throughout the entire thing. I, yeah. It should be one style. And honestly, if you look at 2049, even if it's not him behind every single shot, that is a consistent movie. That movie looks like one person conceived it. And so many other big Hollywood movies look like 20 people got in a room and said, this is the story we want to film. We'll get it on camera. And scene to scene, moment to moment even, fuck, even in action scenes, if you look at the bits between the main actor and the actual stunt parts that have actor, stunt actors, they don't look anything the same. Like, the the style is completely different. So it's, it's a little rare. It's, it's actually kind of amazing to see where one DP says, no, I want my style to be the one thing we always see. It's kind of appreciated. It's pretty cool. Obviously, Deacons is really the best <laughs> at God, cinematography. Yeah. Like, yeah, there, there's few people that can be like, "Oh no, I'm better than him." If you watch one of his 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 movies, you know it. They just look so good, and he's the only one who could really argue with a Hollywood setup to say, "No, no, no, do it my way. Don't do it your way." And that's too bad. Anyways, do you guys want some more X-Facts? <laughs> Always. Can I just say, it really bugs me that they, A, fucked up the entirety of Weapon X here. They got the tattoos wrong, too. Yeah. Whatever. Your X-Facts, I'm sorry. Good transitions, though. I'll, I'll give the editors that. They did a good job moving from scene to scene. Yeah. Uh, I want to know where they made those new dog tags, though. <laughs> they had a little machine off to the side. Just to kill time while, you know, they... I'm not really sure what they were doing to prepare. He kind of just laid down. <laughs> yeah. More Vita Rays. Stuff's, ha <laughs> Stuff's happening. Anyways, folks, our cast for this X film. We've got Hugh Jackman reprising his role as Wolverine. Hugh Jackman, again, I like. I feel bad for everyone in this movie because I, I, I'll shit all over Wolverine Origins because it's just a bad film. It really is. Like I, I, I have no enjoyment of this. But the individual components are really good. Hugh Jackman is a great actor. Like, we've all seen him in different things. Fucking Real Steel, as not great of a movie as that is, is very fun because of Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman's a good actor. Then we have Lee Schreiber, again. That guy's great. You add him to your movie, even if it's some sort of, like, C-budget thing, it's going to be pretty fun. Uh, he's back here as Sabretooth. Do you, okay, do you guys have a preference between Leif Schreiber and Tyler Maine for your Sabretooths? I think everybody prefers uh, Leif Schreiber. I, no offense to Tyler Maine, but who picks Tyler Maine? Tyler Maine had a look. Tyler oh, yeah, Maine, exactly. like, oh, yeah, definitely. And he had presence and stuff, but so does Leif Schreiber. Oh, yeah. <sighs> I wish we got Tyler Maine in more stuff. That guy is just huge and he looks cool as fuck. He has a very ominous presence. Yeah, he's Which actually my nice oddly way of saying, like, Leave Schreiber brings personality to the role. Uh, Tyler Maine brings, like, an intimidation to it. Like, he looks like he's just so big and stuff. They also didn't give him any lines, so it's not like he can really act against Sabretooth so much. Bring, uh, bring Tyler Maine in as Omega Red. <laughs> oh, that'd be cool as fuck. Yes! I love that idea. That'd be also, cool. bullshit. Nobody is drinking champagne and saying he'll have no memory over and over it bothers again. bothers me so much. I'm convinced the entire reason Weapon X is even in X-Men Apocalypse is because this scene pissed people off. Like, just pissed off the creatives behind the original <laughs> movies. 
They're like, no, nope, we gotta to fix it. Facts so we didn't have to look at it. That's of how absolutely nothing lines up with the handful of things they had to worry about. Well, it's kind of weird too because in X one, X two, when they do flashbacks to Wolverine's origins, they're very stylized. Obviously, they're all from singers, so they're going to be matched in their style. But they're very green tinted. They're very like you recognize them. They're they're not trying to fool you. This is a very distinct look they're going for. And this movie is like mm, it doesn't help kind that of plain we were, Jane. We had characters walking around the Weapon X facility sets. Where Wolverine got his adamantium claws in X-Men 2 and this building, this room looks nothing like it. Yeah. And most fans honestly don't care. I'm sure they don't care. So why bother? You're trying to reach the masses and not the people who are like us going to complain about this many years later on a DVD commentary that no one will listen to. Still frustrating. Anyways, more X-Facts. We, we're still in the cast. We're, this is like Category 3, guys. Come on. Uh, Danny Houston, who you'll see right now on screen. I have a lot of respect for Danny Houston. I think he's great. I think he has picked so many great movies to be in, but he's not an A-level actor. They're not going to use him as a substitute for George Clooney. And unfortunately, he is the youngish striker, which... I yeah, did, did the math on this when it came out. He is the age Stryker would have been at that time. Yeah. But it doesn't help that Danny Houston looks 70. Danny, Danny Houston always looks, looks 70, yeah. No, I wouldn't say 70. Danny Houston always looks like he's late 50s. Which, to be fair, like, kind of matches, like, like, people from that time. Like, you looked old in middle age. Or even like in your thirties, and then you're everyone's surprised when it's like, "What? You're still alive? Like twenty years later? <laughs> I thought you were like eighty when I first met you." No, I'm eternal. It's weird to think that this character was almost Michael C. Hall. So that's what they were going oh, for. Oh, that'd have been weird. That'd been so weird. Uh, Michael C. Hall doing his weird Southern accent from Gamer too. Oh. <laughs> Oh, naked shot. What a bad, bad weird-ass shot. <laughs> Anyways, though, I want to I give respect to Danny Houston. Fuck, man. Think of 30 Days a Night. Think of... But even, even American Horror Story with Danny Houston, he is great. He's a presence. He is oh, such yeah. a great actor. Fucking love Danny I Houston. feel so bad when there's a bad movie with great actors involved. Like, you deserve better than what was given to you. Anyways, man, if you're listening, I salute you, and boy, not a good portrayal of young William Stryker. Uh, and maybe I mean, other big if you name. if you come, if you put it next to Brian Cox, it's like that's not really the same character. If you look at it by itself, no. it's pretty good. Also, hey, Vindicator. <laughs> <laughs> that's really the problem, though. I have like Cox does an amazing job with very little screen time. I think X two, honestly. Yeah, people bitch about it now, but I think X2 is still a great movie. Uh, and oh god, there goes Naked Wolverine. Uh, <laughs> Remember, this old guy is Vindicator. I don't wanna. These are the Hudsons. Uh, What's funny is make them just an old couple instead of two superheroes. They serve the same function. Yeah, 
That's really weird to me. That's how useless those characters are, honestly. Also, they're in every movie barn ever filmed. This could be the fucking set of Jigsaw. Like, it doesn't matter. This Jason's is actually barn. hanging from a rope off of the side after having just been defeated. <laughs> it really is. This is the most generic movie barn. I'm sure there's one in a studio backlot somewhere that everyone films them when they need a barn. Barns and Morley cigarettes. Why? I always wonder, like, why is Wolverine doing that like he just came through time to stop the Terminator? <laughs> 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 he's just a weird pose to go into. Yes, he he's. 100% I feel like doing Jackson's it. doing that on purpose. Though. I feel like he wants to be kind da, of. Da, 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 da. I think Jackson uh, Jackman is. I appreciate that he is giving this performance his all. So Wolverine, you can still watch this go like, okay, Wolverine's still Wolverine, because Jackman's yeah. not happy. <laughs> yeah. Jackman is no. so not happy with anything that's going on. No, it's I would agree. I don't think they... the actors are phoning it in. I don't no, think they're not at all, acting no. like they're in a lesser movie. Although, I want to say, holy fuck. Okay. So the bathroom scene where Wolverine's claws first came out. I was I'm struck by this. this. In theaters, I was amazed. I'm like, I haven't seen CGI this bad ever. And I've I lived could... through The Mummy Returns. I could not believe when I rewatched this a few weeks ago. They've never gone back and fixed this. I thought it's, for like a 4K release or something where they would have done something, but no. Yeah. Just the weird shit, like when he touches the claws and they immediately spark, like they look weightless, they look fake. Yeah, look at him shimmer there, just and then the standard superhero scene where you, where you break stuff in a bathroom the first time you use your powers. Um, I want to remind everyone, well, this movie came out in 2009. This was well past the hump of CGI. This was to the point where CGI was pretty much a normal part of every movie and was used excessively and was to the point where people went, yeah, all right, I can ignore that. This was bad. This was so bad where I was just gobsmacked in the theater. Like, this can't be a thing they actually finished. But they didn't. They didn't. I guess we could get into that now. Also, I'm still confused why they just didn't use the practical claws they had for that scene. It would have been I, fine. I it would have been fine. That. Like, it's really baffling to me. They had practical claws. They used them a lot of the time. Not sure why not in that scene. So, the one thing we haven't mentioned is this movie leaked online, like, what, a month before? A month or two before yeah. it came out? And yeah, it leaked, about a month. A little yeah. over a month. And it leaked from the special effects house. Like, that's where they tracked it down. Like, there was a leak yeah. in the special effects. I don't know. I don't remember the name of the company to the special effects. Um... I, so I don't know if they still exist or not, but Fox healed them. So it leaked from there, and because it was from the special effects house, they just never finished the effects. Like they just pulled it from the special effects company and never replaced them. Yeah, basically, so... this movie had the same thing happen to it that Mortal Kombat Annihilation had. Like they just released a work print. It's honestly rough. Like it's it's just amazingly bad to look at. It's incredible how broken this film is. It's a miracle how broken this film is. Yeah, because we all watched the work print whenever it was first released. Of, of course, we did. We were nerds in the. I I exactly. did not. I waited for the theatrical. Oh, you were a good I boy. Had principles. Uh, which is weird because I angel. had limeware and all that. So you know, <laughs> I was I was a dickhead, but not always. I, Cody's I, I going to, to the heaven. Theater. 
No, that's burn in false. Hell. You're gonna I just movie own heaven. the book. <laughs> you guys don't get Doom Eternal without me. I'm a part of the crew. <laughs> Rip and tear, motherfucker. <laughs> Oh no, my butthole! I I want Damn Tony it. yelling "rip and tear, oh, no. motherfucker" to be my ringtone. That's what all the Sentinels say as they salute you as you walk through their island. <laughs> oh, what I was gonna, what I was trying to say, Cody. <laughs> uh, I've actually seen the work print way more times than I've ever seen the theatrical cut, and almost nothing has changed effects wise. There's a few, dip, like, the uh, logs in that one scene are more refined in this version. But See, that was the it. weird thing, because to this point, when I thought of movies that were leaked, this was, this was still back in the age where everything was on film. So if a movie was leaked, you thought, like, there was some guy, some asshole in the theater with a camcorder who recorded a really shitty version of the movie like, behind someone else's shoulder, and the camera kept moving the entire two hours. Like, just a bootleg. This was kind of revolutionary in that fact. Like, someone actually gave you a full print of the movie that just wasn't quite finished. Like, polished. Yeah, this was the first and last time this ever happened. Like, I think this changed a lot of rules in Hollywood. Yeah. I can only assume. Cause this is this astounding. This is, okay, you have to think, this is a product that costs what? How many millions of dollars to produce? Uh, my notes say this was a budget of $150 million, but that's Hollywood reporting, so it could be very high or very low. God, now Over, I think about the only equivalent... It was more than $100 million represented by the file that was leaked, <laughs> which is astounding! Let's be honest, we're not going to make that much money in our lives. Combined, all three of us together, if we threw all of our money in a pot for the rest of our lives, we'd never make $100 million. Oh, there's no telling how much money they bled from this just because everybody saw it online first. The, like, yeah. the only other thing equivalent I can think of is when the Flash pilot leaked and their uh, premiere numbers took a nosedive. Yeah, that was the thing. People watched it. I mean, you're not going to pirate that shit. And this was before everyone became accustomed to pirating. This was still where pirating was still thought of as kind of a, like a weird Napster deal. But, you know, after Napster died. Uh... The money on this actually wasn't that bad. I'll, I'll get to it later when I eventually get through my X-Facts. That's going to be nine hours from now, judging by the way we've gone through things. X-Facts. Yeah, I will say, practical effects in this movie are fine. Look at that Jeep that we just saw a couple of seconds ago do that oh, yeah. bank jump. That was great. That's good. All the practical stuff in this movie, and this was a surprisingly practical movie for oh, yeah. its time. Like The practical stuff still holds up. It really does. Unfortunately, we get stuff like uh, that one guy jumping onto the helicopter a couple minutes ago, where he's just a CGI spot that where moves. he just floats. Yeah, he's no. There's no weight, or or the way Wolverine moves on this goddamn motorcycle. <laughs> With oh god, we're watching something bad right now. He does the Akira move, and it doesn't look right at all. I mean, this Mission Impossible two sequence we just saw. Yeah. Oh. Boy, it hurts my eyes. This is fine. This is fine. Everything we're watching in the moment as I talk is okay. But then it gets bad. Right now. Uh. Honestly, oh, Jesus. Things don't move like that when they have weight. 
That's one of the big things people complain about right now. Okay, think of the last two Terminator movies. Uh, Terminator Genesis, in particular. There's a moment where Arnold Schwarzenegger is flung down the uh, Golden Gate Bridge, and he just bounces into a cop car. And you have to think, this is like a 400 pound... Oh, Jesus, there goes Wolverine flying through the air. Uh, <laughs> there goes that Wolverine boy. There goes that Wolverine boy. Claws. Something ain't right. Uh... Anyways, Arnold Schwarzenegger as a, a cyborg, a 400, 500-pound robot, just bounces around on the highway like he's a feather, and then it bashes into a car, and he tells the drivers to get out, and he takes over the car. And it's funny, because, ah, that's the line the Terminator says! But our human eyes realize, like, there's... Yeah, you can draw that on a computer, but we don't have to buy that as real. Yeah. And it's really the problem. That's a new movie, and it looks wrong. This is an old movie... So it has a lot more going against it. But the part where Wolverine flies through the air to destroy the helicopter looks bad. I don't know why every generation of animators, regardless of the medium, have to relearn that objects need to have weight. That's why I really, really, really appreciate every Guillermo del Toro movie. Because weight is always in the forefront of his mind when he wants something animated. Oh, like, yeah. if you look at the monsters in Pacific Rim, they're so heavy. It's like gorillas walking through goddamn Tokyo. They're all so heavy. They have some amount of weight to them. And that's why it looks okay. Even a couple years later, Pacific Rim looks amazing in my mind because the characters have weight. The, the robots and the monsters have weight. Movies like this, they're like, everyone flies. They float if they want. We can make them float through the air. Oh, God. A couple of days ago, my girlfriend and I rewatched The Lion King again, the original. And then we threw on the remake just to skip oh, around and do no. some compare and contrast on the screen. And the cell animated movie moves more realistically than the photorealistic CGI movie. Simba just kind of bounces around weightless like he's a puppy dog. Like, none of the characters have weight or move, like, affect the environment as they walk. It's like, you can make things so realistic. You can make something so detailed that you can count every hair follicle. But if you don't know how to blend that and how to give the characters weight, you're just watching, you're watching Cool World. You're watching a very expensive Cool World. It's really a crazy, sad thing. The textures have gotten fantastic. I, I think right now you can render a still image in CGI that's almost identical to real life. Like, you know, if you didn't tell someone you're looking at a CGI rendition of a picture, they could be tricked. But in action, people are still very keen on picking those things up. And it's so sad because if you, like you said, watch animation from the 90s or even the 50s, like if you go back, those guys have learned so much about how physics should be represented. It works. It's really astounding. And it's honestly, it's sad. I, I, I've listened to different interviews from Disney directors who talks about working with animators. And they said, yeah, at certain points, like when animation is at a lull, all of those secrets and knowledge they they just kind of died like those guys had to go back and refigure how people did it 20 years ago when animation was still a popular common thing it's kind of like miniature work right now 
not as much miniature work is being done because everyone just CGI's it. And that work is disappearing and people don't realize how you can make things that look properly to scale in the same way as the early 80s. It's just a vanishing art and skill and people don't transfer it to the next generation of people. There's no apprenticeship program for it anymore. And like I said, like that stuff, it's not enough that that stuff has to be relearned. Uh, whenever the meat, the uh, tools change, like it literally seems to be every generation has to relearn that stuff. Cause you look at animated stuff yeah. before Batman, the animated series and the Disney Renaissance, that stuff's very weightless too. Like you look at what like filmation and Hanna-Barbera were doing and they're more, uh, uh, well, Hanna-Barbera was known for being cheap as fuck. They didn't uh, want to spend any money doing that stuff. <laughs> they were like, let's just get it out. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Pay pot. Two people, five dollars. But yeah, there there is a gap, and it seems like it goes in waves. Like there's people. If you look at the animation of the '30s, do yourself a favor. Go back, look at stuff like uh, uh, Snow White. It's astounding. That is beautiful craftsmanship. The animation in those movies is absolutely heartbreaking. It's so good. And Our- the money was there, and they didn't have any other substitutes, so they just said, "Do it by hand. Draw out." All these frames. And if if you look past that in the 60s, you won't get the same quality. Like the, the price cuts were there. The talent wasn't quite the same. It's just not comparable. Uh, my favorite example is look at the Fleischer Superman cartoons. Yes. And then look at Filmation's New Adventures of Superman like 15 years later. Yeah. Like, that's I, a really I, fun I say point. it all the time. Animation is the only medium that seems to get worse with time. <laughs> like we, we, we always have to recapture what is lost every few years. All right. So, uh, folks at home, you can see there's the blob on screen. Literally wearing a Save the Whale shirt. Get it? Because he's fat. Um, when people complain about Thor wearing a fat suit in the Avengers movies, I just flash back to this. I'm like, it's not that bad. <laughs> Thor at least has a narrative arc he's working through that explains like weight gain attached to depression. This one does the weird thing where weight gain is just associated with like stupidity. Like if you're fat, you're obviously dumb, right? That's, to be that's, fair, that's always been a thing, a weird thing attached with the blob. He's so fat, ideas cannot penetrate his mind. <laughs> where go? <laughs> Anyway, Wolverine has to box the blob now. Uh, I'm going to talk <laughs> over this because it's stupid. It's uh, so, a lot I, of movies I, do I, that, I though. Don't... It's just the idea. You get fat, you get dumb. Like It's just a weird body horror thing in my mind. <laughs> body horror? <laughs> kind of, yeah. You know, it is. Like, oh, before that, he was an attractive young man with knowledge and strength. Now he's a fat idiot who works in a bar that no one cares about. Listen, you can <laughs> like all the pizza and... And Frosties from Wendy's in the world, but you can still build an iMac if you want. <laughs> not sure why my head went I there, just, but... Okay, I've been obsessed with this for years, because I feel like this is the apotheosis of CGI how this movie was put so together. <laughs> like, this is just a video game fetch quest. Oh, you have to complete this mini game to get this new mission that Wolverine has to go on. <laughs> Meanwhile, really the fight is. with the blob in the actual game was way better. Yeah. 
I was it was fascinating to discover that in the original script this was supposed to take place in a supermarket, but they realized that they didn't have enough money for the blob to do anything. So he just gets punched by Wolverine. Yeah. That's why the that's why the fight with the blob in the game is in a supermarket. Which by the way, I haven't we've only mentioned the game like a couple times. This movie's existence is 100% justified because of the fucking video game, which is one of the best superhero video games ever made. It's fucking incredible. People people still really enjoy the game. The game is popular. I'll give it that. I, I would love to see that get an HD remake if they could square the whatever right situation is going on. Yeah, like oh, like most Marvel games, it's just lost to the ether. You have yeah. to find. You have to track also, down. Also, this is really copy. fucking weird that they introduced Cyclops, like a character who didn't give a shit about Wolverine until this day, and who's also interacted with fucking Wolver- uh, Sabretooth, like in X Men One. It's just such a weird thing that they they throw together. I'm still convinced to this day everything with Cyclops. I mean, besides the fact it was the original kind of what became first class. Like, the original inkling of the idea of a prequel movie. This was supposed to be kind of setting it up. Um, Yeah. But I also am convinced this was Fox's, like, the higher-ups weird way of apologizing for killing off of Cyclops. Like, him, like, (laughs) leading the kids out and shit later on, it feels like... We know but you it's got such a mad weird thing. at You're us. You're apologizing to the character, not the person who made. I know that it character. makes no sense, but in like it's some kind of dumbass logic. studio logic, it it. Well, yes, we ground Arnold Schwarzenegger to uh, meet Links, but you know we apologize to the Terminator, so who everything's is, fine. Who is this southern lawyer running this movie studio? <laughs> well, I have some monster law to go investigate. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to go down that hole. <laughs> different, different hole. That that's a thing that uh, is is made very clear by this movie in a lot of ways. Studios still hadn't quite figured out that superhero roles are uh, always they're in for the our generation. They're always going to be tied to very specific actors. I think it was pretty much up until like Robert Downey Jr. really popped off at as iron man that studio still thought all of these people were replaceable because of bat the batman films yeah it's kind of fair i mean toby mcguire would maybe be the next most identical as spider-man but even then after three movies the studio went what if we commissioned iron uh, uh i'm sorry spider-man 3 and spider-man the reboot at the same time so it wasn't like they were attached that directly to him now, they were still convinced people just came for the characters and that was it yeah I do miss having the same director for three movies in a row. That was cool. Pretty <laughs> Those cool. were good times. Now you just gotta cross your fingers and hope someone doesn't leave over creative differences. Yep. Anyways, I'm still real mad that Wolverine put his claws through a fucking boxing glove. Like, what a dopey looking image. <laughs> it was very strange. Everything Story. about I this have is dopey. to go through! Alright. Lightning Boy, round. Man, this is... This is, it should be, I'm just going to screen these out. Our music this time is by Harry Gregson Williams. Uh, 
this is another connection to the Metal Gear franchise, as Gregson Williams has provided the soundtrack for five of those games. Uh, X-Men, Metal Gear Solid, just buddies at heart. I do Uh, quite like his Wolverine theme. Yeah, another X-Men throwback. Uh, He worked with X-Men 3's composer John Powell on Ants, Chicken Run, and Shrek. That's right. The man providing the music you're currently listening to is the Shrek Man. This is not a composed all star. <laughs> this is this is not a dig meant towards them. The the music for those movies is very good, so it's not like yeah, I'm complaining about Gregson Williams. Uh, GW has an extensive number of credits. Uh, I really don't have time to list them all. You you've heard his movies. Our cinematography is by Donald McAlpine. The American Society of Cinematographers gave Donald an International Achievement Award in 2009. He received an Osternom for Moulin Rouge. That's right. Moulin Rouge was this motherfucker. <sighs> Anyways, this guy's done everything. He did Mrs. Doubtfire, Predator, uh, the Time Machine remake. He, he's really done every genre. It's amazing the number of things this man has filmed. He's done it all. Uh, the editing is by Nicholas Detoth and Megan Gill, which I think we've done some amazing transitions in this film. I don't think the movie's good, but I think the work on a lot of the individual units is pretty good by itself. Oh, here's Gambit. Wasting of a good cast for Gambit. Uh, I Taylor feel Kitch, bad for like, Taylor Kitsch. That man has been put in so many subpar movies, and he doesn't deserve it. He was in the least popular season of True Detective. Uh, yeah... Yeah, the poor guy. Like, I have nothing against him. I don't think he's a bad actor. He's just been he's in great. so many bad things. It's I, I like. I'm sorry, dude. I hope you do better because you deserve it. By now, everyone is just associates him with his, you know, like a death curse. Because fuck Battleship, John Carter, Mars, Wolverine. The stuff he's been in has not done super, super great at the box office. He's like it's Chris not as fine in pre, uh, pre Wonder Woman. Some of those white dudes Hollywood doesn't know what to do with. Pre-Star Wars. Star Trek. (laughs) He gets credit for his scene. His scene... Okay, sorry, if we can backtrack a little bit. Chris Pine in Star Trek, I want to say, is the main reason for that movie's success. Not even as a joke. I saw it with my girlfriend in theaters, and she told me her favorite scene was the opening scene, and she just openly cried because the father had to give up his son and then save the world and die. You're thinking about Chris Hemsworth, Now we're on Chris Hemsworth. Cody is drunk. I'm in need of myself on podcast. (laughs) Also, uh, I'm pretty sure Taylor Kitsch learned how to, like, flip cards and shit, and for some reason they did it CGI, and it looks terrible. Yep. Remember, this was the fox that was uh, burning the silver surfer makeup at the end of every day because they would be embarrassed if movie news sites found out they weren't doing them CGI. Which is strange, because Doug Jones looks fantastic in the costume. I'm very mad about that. Also, goodbye, Will I Am. This is taking way too long for him to die. And I'm still very embarrassed with my Chris mix-up. Oh, boy. I, I, I understand there are a lot of pretty, a- pretty blonde Chris's out there. There's many Chris's, but that's an obvious one. I fucked that up real bad. Oh, oh that was such okay. a shitty effect for Gambit. At least Gambit Would did the thing Would you want to see a once. Gambit movie if the cards looked like that when people got hit? That's how. Why is he shooting them? Anyway, that's not how. Whatever. Uh, At least the performance yeah, is good. 
He doesn't have telekinetic card powers. The card should glow or something cartoony. I don't know. I'm mad. Uh, it's not Gambit got? if he's not surrounded by pink light. He's not talking about himself in the third person right now. It makes me angry. He's not Gambit. talking about Gumbo or something stereotypical. He did refer to him in the third himself in the third person as Remy LeBeau. That's kind of that helps. It's not close. quite it, but it's close. It's weirdly more decadent sounding that way. This is a weird way to try and introduce Gambit to a future film. Like he just gets knocked out by Wolverine. He seems like an asshole. His effects are all bad. Like this is not a way to get me excited for a possible spinoff of Gambit, which explains why one hasn't happened yet, even though they've been trying for years. No, no, th- no thought went into. Uh, we want Gambit in the movie. Um, isn't there a writer's strike and we can't add anything to the movie? We want Gambit in the movie. And Deadpool. Doesn't matter. Figure uh, it out. Hear the enti- if you want to hear the entire, like, 20-year-long, almost, uh, struggle to get Deadpool to the screen that this movie is very tied into, you can uh, go back and listen to our Deadpool episode. We go into that in detail. This movie was a compromise for Reynolds. Yep. We did a Deadpool episode? Yeah. Time escapes me. I don't remember anything past... When was Tuesday? We did a Deadpool episode, and I think we also talked about it briefly in the Blade Trinity episode. But we did the full timeline in Deadpool. Also, nice. fun fact, uh, going back to Deadpool, um, Jeff Katz, uh, you know, is like, uh, did Freddy vs. you know, producer writer you know did like freddy versus jason wrote freddy versus jason versus ash did a bunch of stuff um he was produced a lot of stuff produced stuff for fox um he was originally starting out as a producer of this movie um he raged quit fox over this film because he did not want <laughs> to essentially get blame for anything like after arguing with with fox oh over God. deadpool and pretty much everything going on he just was like, I'm literally quitting this entire company. <laughs> nope, I'm done. Not a bad movie. Okay, I- I've complimented a lot of action scenes in this movie. This entire sequence is so embarrassing. <laughs> this is terrible. Very bad. Very Look at that. Oh what is even going God. on? We're talking over it, and now we have to address it. But what if I feel we like just I'm watching didn't... one of the, the Crow direct-to-video sequels. I still have some X-Facts to go through. Let's, let's talk about those. X-Facts. X-Facts! No, 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 no. Released May 1st of 2009, this holds on to the three-year gap between releases we've seen uh, with all the X-Men movies. There's been three years between movies. That's just how they do them. Uh, Runtime, an hour and 47 minutes, which I know it feels like you've been listening to us for five days, but there's still about a half hour left of this movie. Somehow. I'm so sorry. Oh, this is a throwback to X2. Enjoy that. Why is he frozen? I don't know. I don't know. I do. It doesn't connect with X. I'm oh, sorry. Um, so the budget of this movie was $150 million. Uh, and really, this was actually a step down because X3 had just giant bloated budget because they were trying to rush that out and beat Superman Returns. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's very nice that this is less than goddamn... Superman Returns budget of $200 million because we would probably not get more X-Men movies if they cost that much to make. The worldwide box office of this movie was $373 million. That's unfortunately $86 million less than X-Men 3 from three years past. So, ooh, boy, a lot. 
but the budget drop kind of makes that okay. And honestly, we're talking about movies that already happened, so I don't know why I'm invested in this, because we know they made sequels. This didn't stop the X franchise. They kept on humming along. Even this movie got two sequels, so... Money is an illusion. <laughs> so, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with this unnecessary murder subplot that hinges on a revelation that happens in a completely different X-Men movie. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't, okay, isn't it kind of fucked up that the X-Franchises place such a large amount of attention on the character of William Stryker that besides X2, we don't give a shit about? Like, William Stryker was first featured in X2. That's Brian Cox. Does a great job with a great character character dies we think it's done danny houston uh, uh just appears in this movie great actor again but this character doesn't fucking matter to me it's like i don't give a shit uh but then the movies keep going like josh hellman played striker in two other films like they they keep going i think there's a flashback with another actor as Stryker in a different film. Like, they, they, they have Stryker in so many of these movies, and I don't give a shit about him. Like, it it doesn't even feel like he has that close of a connection with Wolverine. Well, the even problem is he's, the he's... focus of this film. The problem is he's the dude who watches Wolverine as he gets his adamantium put in, making him an essential part of X-Men mythos. He's there by name, it, but it's, it's like... It's, it's, it's like it's like Cyclops' parents dying in that plane crash. We have to revisit it over and over and over. And over yeah. Again. And honestly, yeah. it's like he just becomes kind of a de facto figure to put a name to. Like, I kind of like that. It's like he's a, you know, Graydon Creed or something. Like, uh, he just fills that role throughout X-Men history. Yeah, he's always there, which is kind of fun. But when you see him in later movies, like when they decide to go the Origins route fully and do the first class trilogy josh hellman does not strike me as a guy who's be like oh fuck i know what he'll end up doing he's just there also a surprisingly disturbing shot from an otherwise milk toast film that that <laughs> shot freaks me the fuck out i don't know <laughs> it still does there's a lot of power to that shot yeah like, oh god his eyelids are gone oh it's so Honestly, weird, like, just talking about this movie, it feels like it's gone on for days, but it's weird to think that it's almost over. Like, the, it's such a weird, lumpy act. We've watched, no like, three movies so far. It, yeah, it just, ugh. I'm, I'm okay. mad about it watching it again. Like, it doesn't feel like it's structured like a movie should be. You know, I was going to launch into something, but Cody, I want you to continue with your X-Facts, because you've been trying to get them out. Those were it. Those were it. I've gotten oh, the really? X-Facts out of the way. Those were hey. it. I know, it's taking me a fucking hour, but we've gone through the X-Facts. Nothing says X-Men Origins more than Cody took the entire commentary to get through the X-Facts. <laughs> Two-thirds of the movie to go through the x The thing I go through in like ten minutes on a normal film. Ugh. Well, at least I don't have to go through my normal notes. Mike, what do you got? I want to take a few moments to be the most insane person that's ever lived. Oh, please. I am going to make an argument that this is a perfectly fine origin for Deadpool. Nope, I'm going home. That is also not even inaccurate to the comics, really. 
This is Wade in the workshop. This is Wade getting fucked up with a weird Weapon X recreation experiment. He is mind-controlled in the Weapon X way, the same way Wolverine in the comics was mind-controlled through a computer. I, I really, I agree. The old, if they had just not given him the heat vision and the arm claws, the arm and claws and heat vision put, are stupid, and just put yep. him in the gray X Force Daredevil, uh, the, the Deadpool costume, he would have been a perfectly acceptable final boss for the for the movie, or, or even fuck like, him up even more. Mouth shut. No, honestly, the I mouth shut I, I thing's think on paper fine. It's fine. On paper, it's fine. Does it work? dramatically within a narrative this film it doesn't yeah, i mean it's just a joke that wade would never shut up but it's like i mean he was being mind controlled anyway so just like it's a deadpool joke yeah just make him silent like he's i don't know i don't know there's so much about deadpool in this movie that doesn't feel satisfying like he's got the fucking mortal Kombat arms he doesn't make for that the baraka arms are oh. very sad yeah and don't make any sense and, it, and even the cyclops eye thing the optic blast they even put in the line pretty much saying, like, they're not going to bond correctly to A, explain him getting more scarred, and B, explained, like, why he wouldn't have that going forward. So it's... Oh, wait, it's time three of Wolverine screaming oh. to the sky. <laughs> it's a flashback, so, though. That's like So they put happen. the optic blast in, but also make sure to get a back door in there to remove them for a later Deadpool film. Much, much yeah. like uh, X-Men The Last Stand, a lot of uh, writing work was done to put in back doors to stupid shit Fox was making them write in. We should all take a moment to reflect on what a miracle it is we eventually got a full Deadpool series with Ryan Reynolds attached. Like, think of the odds stacked against that. Ryan Reynolds was in a bad movie that everyone hated, and yet was still so attached to the character that he stuck with it and was happy to do sequels when they were announced. In fact, some people hint he might have been responsible for leaking the footage. That oh, I think that's directly definite. to the movie being made. Like Ryan Reynolds weird has thing. done everything but flat out say he leaked the footage himself. Yeah, like Ryan Reynolds is really responsible for this happening, which is weird because. Who would have guessed that a sequel to the least respected X-Men movie would spawn pretty much a really, really well-respected and financially successful spinoff series? Like, both movies made the same amount of money, so it wasn't a flash in the pan. Deadpool is well-respected as a film series. Who would have guessed? Like, what are the odds against that? It's not like we have this shit happening for any other franchise. Well, what's weird to think about is Deadpool... And Wolverine went on to have prestige movies after this. This was no, this was only the graveyard of Taylor Kitsch. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, it's. And well, I am. In, he dug his own grave. There. It's, it's, it's very much did. like um, how we need Batman and Robin to happen for us to eventually get Batman Begins in the Dark Knight. <laughs> you got to rebound off of one. Like, Wolverine, like. We've already seen the balance tipped with X-Men 3. And the best version of that came out in those circumstances. But obviously, proving with this, that was a miracle that you could get anything in this environment. This was the environment that gave us X-Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> this had to be the 
the adamantium bullet that killed everything. <sighs> because X-Men Origins Wolverine came out, it scrapped all of Fox's plans for the X-Men franchise at that point. Oh, it did. And yeah, for sure. it caused such a seismic shift internally at Fox that started this road to, like, Rothman having to, like, be out. Of course, Rothman was there for many years afterwards, but but it started the power change in Fox. And what it eventually led us to was X-Men First Class, to the Wolverine, to all that stuff that came, that would come later. If... If it wasn't for this, the X-Men films would have gone to a completely horrible Fox 100% owned trajectory. We could have been watching X-Men Origins Storm a couple of years later. Which this was also setting up, but her cameo was cut. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking it of... makes sense because there are so many different origin stories. This was this was Fox's plan moving forward. I remember for years hearing rumors about X-Men Origins Magneto that eventually oh, just Boyer kind of was going to Boy, direct that, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, Gore was writing. I forget who the writer was. Um, good writer. Yeah, I don't remember either. You can pretty much find like the outline for it. it's a good. It's a good outline, uh, and most of the ideas made their way into. That's why the writer of that outline has a co-writing care- credit on First Class. Yeah, well, I mean, the idea got steamrolled into First Class, where we see a young Magneto hunting Nazis. Like they just took that movie and just shoved it into a different movie with young X Men. Yeah. Which, honestly, brings me to another point here. How many origin movies can we really name? Like, it, it's talked about all the time in Hollywood. Oh, we'll just, we'll flash back. We'll do Die Hard with young Bruce Willis. Because they can recast. And, like, you hear it all the time, but it doesn't come to fruition that often. Uh, off the top of my head, I can think of, like, Solo, a Star Wars story. Uh, the, the, the Scooby-Doo direct-to-video movies after Scooby-Doo 1 and 2 hit theaters. Hannibal Rising, The Adventures of Young Indiana Jones got a TV show, but, like... That young Sherlock Holmes was a thing? Yeah, that's true. Uh, but Sherlock Holmes is more of, like, a, it's not attached to an actor. Sherlock Holmes is, is, is I don't know, pretty wide open, because there's been a thousand different versions of Sherlock Holmes at this point. Studios talk all the time about the idea of, oh, we should go back and redo the movies with a younger actor. And we can do spinoff movies and all that shit from when they were 20 years old instead of when we met them at 50 or 60 or whatever. Well, I but mean, look it at- doesn't happen all that often, really. I don't think so. Like, it re- rarely makes it to the big screen. No, it's the same with prequels. There's very, very few actual prequels that have been made since that became a thing. It's no. just constantly talked about because it's a buzzword. Yeah, well, I think the same thing with, like, horror movies in space. There's been, what, yeah. Leprechaun, Hellraiser, Jason X. I, what other, like, horror movies have gone to space for sequels? Those three are the only ones I can think of. And, and that's over, like, the that only 30-year period. Yeah. Yeah. But God, everyone jokes stupid. now, like, the, the, the idea is when you run out of ideas, you go to space for the sequel. It's happened three times out of so many franchises. Oh, but it's so and overdone. I, I, yeah. Not ever, I, there are so many X-Men movies where they fight a butthole in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I really think, like, the idea of an origin story, everyone says, oh, that's when Hollywood knows they've hit the bottom of the barrel. But it hasn't happened all that often. And 
It's strange because I can understand why Hollywood would want to do it. Imagine, okay, let's recast a younger actor who doesn't cost as much and can sign a longer contract. I mean, at this point, how many movies do we think Hugh Jackman is really going to do? Like, he honestly did Wolverine longer than anyone expected. We didn't think he was going to character, you know, carry the character for 20-plus years. So, the origin God. story makes sense. Like, for Solo, you're not going to get Harrison Ford. You'd have to use so much CGI. You'd have to you, you, you bankrupt, uh, bankrupt yourself. Let's recast him. But people are often, they're going to be mad about that. Like, if you bring in a kid to play back uh, a classic character, it's worked for, what, James Bond? And that's about it? I can see why studios try for this approach of the origin story. But no one's excited for it when it's announced. God, what an 11 looks so weird. Oh, really shitty. Uh, but... The idea of the origin, like, thematically, does it make sense? Hey, here's a character everyone loves. What if we just had younger adventures of them? I, I guess that's sound. It, it, it really, it just depends on the character. Like, sometimes it's a great idea and is interesting, and other times it's like, why do we need, like, a young Snake Plissken movie? Yeah, that'd be bad. I do not want to see that. But who knows? We'll eventually get it. But... Other things, for years there was the rumor of a young Magneto, uh, X-Men Origins Magneto movie, which doesn't sound good. I guess it could work, because then you have young Magneto hunting down Nazis, which could be fun. That's like a James Bond kind of premise. Uh, and it makes sense from a practical standpoint, because Ian McKellen is 70 years old. Like We don't want to see a 70-year-old try and pretend to do stunts that are eventually replaced with a stuntman. So, you know, it makes sense to try and place him. But we're so attached to Ian McKellen as Magneto, everything else feels wrong. And his relationship with Professor X is really what makes his character interesting. They'd have to have a really good hook to make him worthwhile in his own solo film. Not that matters, because that didn't happen, but that was the talk for a long time. Hey, I say Magneto hunting Nazis is all the hook you need. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, uh, yeah. most uh, most I, Magneto prequel stories in the comics are fucking spectacular. I was like, can we just talk about how fucking bizarre it is that there's a version of X-Men continuity where Silver Fox and Emma Frost are, sequel- are sisters? Emma Silver Fox? <laughs> so, Isn't this movie strange. shaped weird? Because at the end of the film, <laughs> we have That's all sorts of cameos. Like, there's Cyclops, there's fucking... Emma Frost, there, there's like Professor X pops up for a second. Spoilers. Uh, there, there's so many people we recognize at the end of the movie, but the front of the movie is like you get one cameo every 15 minutes, maybe. It's weird. like we have Blob, we have Weapon X. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, of a what is that pool? Weapon Eleven. Weapon Eleven. Weapon Eleven. Just introduce the Deadpool. The Deadpool. Uh, we have this really not great fight. That's a lot of green screen. Uh, yeah. Scott Atkins is mostly playing uh, Weapon Eleven, by the way. Which is impressive. Scott Atkins, what a guy! Like he's still really great as a, a stunt guy. I, I hope someday in the future he gets the same recognition that Kane gets. He is Ninja Assassin. He's also, in a lot what? of really great stuff. Like he, he, 
oh man, there's so many good things he's been in, but people always see him as kind of like the stunt guy or the expendable sidekick character who does a bunch of kung fu stuff. He isn't he ninjack? Like a series of like uh, official so. shorts or something. Uh, also, the image of uh, William Stryker ordering a Deadpool around from his Commodore 64 is fucking hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just uh, The ending of this movie bumps me out so much. Like, the back idea... I, when I heard Deadpool was going to be in this movie, I was so excited, and this is what we, we got. Were. Yep. And again, just hearing the cast, Lee Schreiber, love that dude. He's great. And to get this version of Sabretooth where it's pretty bland. Not, it's hard to do anything exciting with Sabretooth, honestly. Like, I don't I'll, really I'll like this version that. of Sabretooth. Well, there, I think he did was, the most with what he was given. Well, there was some more interesting stuff left on the cutting room floor. Like, uh, we passed yeah. the moment, but there is that very weird moment where Wolverine uh, is given the truth about Silver Fox walks out and then has to walk back in like five seconds later whenever Victor shows up. Like the, the, the X-Men equivalent of uh, Amy Adams having to run for that fucking kryptonite sphere that Batman <laughs> threw off screen. God. That just, awkward... All this looks so bad with this really... Uh, this, the, the, the cloud backgrounds. It looks like a Zoom meeting. <laughs> but, uh... The reason that's put together so poorly is there's an entirely different version of that sequence that they shot. You can find it on the DVD where after finding out that all of this was just an elaborate scheme to get his powers and like his entire life since quitting Weapon X has been a lie, Wolverine just voluntarily decides to have his memory erased, which lines up with what Stryker said in X-Men 2. Yeah. And it's the only reason the effects are delayed is because Victor finds out that he's doing that and is horrified that Logan is going to forget him and pulls him out of the machine before the the procedure's done, which is the most saber-tooth thing in the world. <laughs> and that that I, I like that kind of old boy aspect of it. There's something so beautiful about the idea of Wolverine being so burdened by his memories that he's the one who decides he doesn't need them anymore, which also does like fit in nicely with where the character ended up at the end of X-Men two. And that was cut out in favor of a kryptonite of a <laughs> adamantium bullet. Yeah. Adamantium Hood, kryptonite, potato, tomato. Hood greatly prefers that original bit. That's the, uh, how it happens in the game too, correct? I believe so. God, like you brought game. up the game, you got to give us all the answers on the game. It's a really good game. And also, violent Deadpool's as fuck, head. too. How? There's still 14 minutes of this bullshit. Ah. Oh, here's <laughs> Gambit. Deadpool's head bringing down that silo as it spins around shooting lasers as it dies. That's I'm sorry, I wasn't paying enough attention. I could have sworn there was a scene of Gambit climbing up some sort of wall with his staff broken to. Yeah, they don't know how yes. Gambit's powers work, apparently. Um, I also, this is the first time in an X-Men movie, something the third act is directly correlated to an event in actual history. It's the three... Three Mile Island incident, apparently. Yeah. 
So that's I mean, that's how it a fun mutants. thing that they will do in future movies. I don't think that's wrong of them to do. No, to try no, and tie it's fucking great. It's, it's just, fun. it's weird. It's, it's in a Wolverine movie. Yep. We're going to ignore it from now on. Is this even in continuity? I don't no. think it is. No, none of this is in continuity. <laughs> none of this is in continuity. This well, movie again, never this movie was never in continuity. It's not even affected by Days of Future Past. Well, that's it the thing. It's, it's confusing looking at the X Men movies and trying to figure out like what is official continuity. I know I, it's, it's pretty easy to, to figure to out. That, but... It's just not this. It's bad, so it's ignored. Un- well, this Unless goes you go I mean, by like, James Mangold. What about, uh, about X Men Two? Does X Men Two count? And then Logan yes. makes it all kind of weird too, because it makes it it's seem really like a lot simple of the to follow. Just be in comics. Wait, why would X Men Two not count, Cody? No, what I was saying was origin. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Logan might make a lot of this fictional because of the idea of Wolverine picking up the comic and seeing the X Men as comic book characters and dismissing them. Uh, Wolverine Logan kind of does its own thing as far as continuity is concerned. It's just what Mangold that thought was right for the story, pretty much. Uh, I'm sorry. It's just more of like a... upsetting thing I think I've ever seen in a theater. Logan's I hit him more... with an adamantium bullet. <laughs> Luckily, that clears his memory. <laughs> what I love about that is it means there's a fucking hole in Wolverine's head that Xavier never noticed in all those X-rays. Or he just decided not to kill him. Mangold did bring back the bullet, though. It, use it that it'll actually kill him. Yeah. I mean, it's a fine idea. But, uh... No, it's not. The adamantium bullets, it's just such a hand-wavy... No, it's a stupid... the past. No, it's a stupid idea that it erases his memory. It's a fine idea that it fucking kills him. Yeah, that that's... Oh, sure, thing. sure, sure, sure. Like, I don't mind that as a plot device to kill him, but as a plot device to set up X-Men 1 and ongoing... Oh, everyone so universally agrees this is the stupidest thing in the world. The adamantium bullet is really a jumping-the-shark moment in my mind of the series. But the weird thing is, the things get better from here? The X-Men movies improve. So instead of the series getting worse, like Happy Days after jumping the shark, this is the point where they realize, oh, we've hit rock bottom. Let's turn around. Oh, this was the apocalypse. Like, this just, the world ended, and then the world was bored anew afterwards. This was the flood. This was uh, Fox's Tower of Babel. It's it's surprising, too, because we've talked about how bad this movie is without getting into details about any of the specific parts, but... If someone has been movie. watching along with us, you would realize all the weird shit that's happening. It's not entertaining. It's not engaging. This is weird. Like, it's connected to the rest of the series without feeling like it should be. Oh my uh, god, what did they do to Patrick Stewart? Also, that's not him. how Cyclops' powers work. Like, you can't just put a metal plate on his face. Oh, he's fine. That's he's fine. not how... That needs to be Ruby Quartz, but... God, oh, whatever. look at them run from that green screen. They're in the it's woods. almost like that was shot by a second unit the last minute. The compositing is surprisingly bad. And to be fair, around this time, people were not experts, I would say. They they, they were okay at compositing, but it's very easy to tell the difference between the foreground and background elements. Yeah. So, Although, honestly, 2009, by this point, they should have had this shit kind of figured out a little bit. I fucking love how there was a hot second where... 
we were supposed to buy that this was Wolverine's first memory. Like the Wolverine we met in the first X Men movie. Next to a dead chick and ran away from Gambit. And then became a trucker. None of this is relevant to mention to Xavier or anyone else. Oh, <laughs> look at that nuclear background. Oh, Gambit's trying to reason with them. We're not friends. I like how Wolverine wakes up and just like an asshole for 20 minutes, apparently, and that changes his whole life. And he never, ever seeks Gambit out again. Nope, that man's <laughs> dead. I'll never go to New Orleans. <laughs> what? It's just, oh, God. It it feels so much like they're like, we have to tie into the previous films. Which it's also, work. why is Wolverine chasing after him? Uh, it's also fascinating to me that even it seems like the general audience seems to have erased this movie from their brain. No, oh, yeah. Nobody remembers sure. this. Like, it's you can't even really find it anymore. No. It's pretty hard to find, yeah. It, it's like Wolverine's origin for the general audience is still kind of a mystery. Yeah. Again, going back to X-Men the Animated Series, I think they did it right. We have episodes where he brushes into the past and he meets members of people who are instrumental to his past, but he doesn't see how it all worked out necessarily. There's the question... It's like a Joker thing. He doesn't know which one's right. He just has to trust some of his memories. Occasionally his hands are itchy. It... And it lends a layer to his character of having to make up his own morality based on what he remembers and what he chooses to remember. This, on the other hand, is like, I don't know her. I guess I'm sad. Goodbye, Gambit. Where did you go? It's a very odd And then Wolverine ran off of that island. Yeah. Swam back to the U.S. for 15 years before becoming friends with a guy in a wheelchair. In the not-too-distant future. The, the original script kind of ended pretty much the ended pretty much the same way. It was but it was more like literally like just super like the end. It didn't linger very much. It had like ended on some with some nice narration to it. It worked. Still not very. It's still not a good ending, but it worked a little bit better than this. Though I will always that like Striker walking forever. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, so this one kind of did the clue thing, where weren't there three different endings attached to the credits yep. that were sent yep. out randomly to different theaters? Mm-hmm, because Fox couldn't decide. I assumed it was just a way to get us back into theaters, like, you gotta see it three times to see all three. I went once. Let's, little did we know that soon Guardians of the Galaxy would be able to slap, like, seven endings onto one. <laughs> Oh, wait, this I'm sorry. This was the one I uh, saw. I saw Stryker walking into the distance. No, this was on all of them. There's okay. two possibles um, that were included. One was the Deadpool scene, and the other was Wolverine in a um, bar in Japan. Oh, I never saw the Japan one. I saw I saw the Deadpool after this, like, Deadpool shushing kind of thing. I think most people, the the majority of reels were of the Deadpool one, and the Japan one was only on a few. Like, that was rare. 
I love how this is the one they made sure to put on all the reels, and it's the one that makes the least amount of sense. Yeah. yeah. Why is he arrested there. for murder? <laughs> like, were they trying to say go. that he was in? Like, yeah, were they trying to say that he was just in jail for fifteen years? Makes and that's why no he didn't hear from Stryker. Doctor yeah, Cornelius. Why would you let that guy talk to fucking Senator Kelly? Like, what? What? None of it doesn't make any sense. It's bad. It's really it's, it's just, just so unnecessary. But it's strange because it's unnecessary, but they're also committed to connecting to chronology. One thing I will say I kind of respect, I'm mad about how not everything lines up with X-Men, the franchise. But it's also kind of nice to just go, fuck it, this doesn't work for this story, we're going to ignore the past and do their own thing. I I kind of like them just saying, no, we, we you paid for two hours of fun. Here's two hours of experience. If it connects to something else, cool. If not, fuck that previous movie. This is what you get now. Which, honestly, is the best way to do it. It's it's how the better prequel X-Men movies pretty much handled it for the most part. Yeah. It's just, you either take it too far, or you do it in the dumbest way possible. Which, and X-Men Origins Wolverine does both. It is nice. I'm glad we got through the worst of the movies. Because everything from here, even though there's been a couple of stinkers, is better and more entertaining than this. Like, I'm a big fan of First Class. I think that's a lot of fun. No, it's awesome. And the other Wolverine movies? I mean, uh, I think most people agree that Logan is the best one. I, I personally have a fondness for Wolverine over Logan, but I like all uh, all two out of three. I'm very excited for us to get to watch Wolverine fucking up ninjas. Oh yeah, That's the Wolverine cool. director's cut too. Oh yeah, him throwing ninjas into a fucking uh, snowblower. While well, y- Yukio <laughs>, laughs and laughs and laughs. <laughs> I'm so excited. I, I think the X franchise from here decides to go some pretty fun ways. And I don't want to blame it on the idea of going origin style. Where... The studio is more focused on restarting a franchise without losing continuity and fan base. Is that, I don't know, to me, that's why people go origin style. You you want to keep all the credit you gained with the previous franchise, but essentially reboot it. You know, just have them live their life 20 years before you knew them. So it's a new actor and new times and nothing really connects or matters to the previous entries. A lot of times it's uh, kind of a have your cake and eat it too situation. Yeah. Additional Question. visual effects by. Uh-huh. Are any of us going to go see Die Hard like 7 where they have a recast Die Hard Year 1 is also a Die Hard sequel because it flashes back and forth in time and I just... somehow that They've been teasing that for keep, years Mike. They keep saying happen? that movie's still happening but it's been happening for like 5 years now. Bruce Willis is going to be 70 by the time that comes out. It's going to be weird. I don't think that thing's happening. Especially How now that it was old? a Fox movie and Fox is now owned by Disney. Yeah, that would hurt. How old is Bruce Willis? I know he's old, but I I, I try not to think oh about God, it because it's like, up. he's in better Bruce shape Willis than me. Bruce Willis is 65. Oh yeah, he's in great shape. Like, it bothers me. It's like, um... This is people... like when Harrison Ford was in Indiana Jones 4 and looked more ripped than I could ever dream of yeah, being. Yeah, I can't like a, think of like... like a 69 year old. Harrison Ford is old as shit, and he could kick my ass. He'd murder I think he me. Could like, we couldn't me. even arm wrestle. He just—he would beat me to death with my own arms. 
Bruce Willis, 65, still in better shape than I can hope of, but you're going to see that on screen. It's going to be weird seeing John McClane as like a 70-year-old. It's it's probably time to move on, but studios are also very apprehensive of that because people get angry. You don't want to see a new actor in a, a familiar role. People get mad about that. It only has worked, well, pretty much every time, I think, honestly. Like Mad Max, all of a sudden Tom Hardy makes a really good Mad Max and people accept it. Uh, That's extenuating circumstances, though. America did not want to see Mel Gibson come back. No No one wants to see these, but eventually they adjust. It's like when Facebook updates, we're like, oh, this is bad. And then two months online, we're like, oh, it's better it is. Well, I think if every actor that originated these roles um, accosted a woman and was a just foaming at the mouth anti-Semite, then I think it would be easier to recast them all. But unfortunately, that's just that would help. Mad Max. If so. only every James Bond did that at the end of his career. Oh my god, that'd like be so Daniel sad. Craig could could you imagine a monster? Uh, more fucking just going on some kind of weird Holocaust was fake rants? That would be... That's so sad. I don't like that. I don't like the scenario you've posed, Cody. Couldn't these mm. actors like Harrison Ford, couldn't you just go out and be like, well, the future is old people. Ah, we're going to blow the planet up. And then be like, oh, cool. We can we can recast Deckard Tim- now. It's fine. Timothy Dalton puts on a red cap. Make America great again. Cha-ching. Something like, yeah, something like that. So we knew like, oh, we can move on. These These people don't own the role. So I will say the fact that this can be the after credit sequence to a movie is proof that Deadpool is one of the greatest characters in all of fiction. It's true. It was hilarious when we... Oh, the video we're watching did not have the secret double ending. No, we just had the Deadpool one. Seek that out, folks at home, for the Japan one. Folks at home, why'd you listen to us? This is a waste of two hours of your life! Not that it matters, because that wasn't the Japan story that we got, so it doesn't really matter, but yeah. No, if there's a teaser in X-Men about Japan, assume it's fake. Like, it won't lead to anything. It is hilarious if you watch the Wolverine trilogy back-to-back and get that ending, and in in the Wolverine, Wolverine has never been to Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. Also, it's funny to think that that after-credits scene with Deadpool um, headless, technically still in continuity, he just erased it with time travel. Made it better with time travel. Yeah, so there you go. (laughs) Well, folks, you have watched the worst X-Men movie with us. Thank you. We appreciate it. That's kind of you for joining us. Everything from here on out, though, is better. So, theoretically, our commentaries have to improve with the quality of the movie. Don't worry. I will scream about studio politics again at some point. We'll get there. Oh, undoubtedly. Yeah, you keep saying we've watched the first, the, the worst X-Men movie. We have not gotten to the grand finale yet. Oh yeah, I'll just be yelling about greed and just the destruction of the world <laughs> with capitalism and uh, just dirty deals and monopolies and the state of the world, which we all would might as well just fucking go outside and breathe in each other's faces and die if it's gotten this bad. <laughs> I want to also mention Gavin Hood is the first X-Men director we've had so far who does not have a history of any accusations of sexual abuse. It's like, Gavin Hood, isn't it? a that decent we fucking person, know of. To the Sorry, Gavin Hood, that was mean of me. 
innocent until proven guilty, I guess, but, like, the other guys don't have clean histories. Gavin Hood, for all I know, a pretty good person. So How about Matthew Vaughn? Give it up for him. Is he doing good? We haven't... Yeah, I think. I don't know. I haven't done research. Vaughn's we haven't... still good. I checked I these know. things. Vaughn's still good. All okay, right, cool. cool. Mangold is great. The only problem with Mangold is I just occasionally confuse him with um, Dave Batista. Oh. What? Uh, what? That's a question for off the show, folks. I don't understand. I'm going to get more answers. Thank you very much for joining us. If you want more Box Office Pulp, you can actually find us. We have our own website. Pretty cool. I'm excited. Box Office Pulp. Check us out. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher. Yeah, look us up. Facebook, Twitter, at Box Office Pulp. We're around. Uh, we probably answered fans. We're, we're not that high and mighty. We're, we're normal folks like you. But we talk into a microphone and pretend we're important. We're not like normal folks. Normal folks are better. Normal folks have friends. Yeah. <sighs> Anyways, what do you guys have to promote that's not box office pulp? Go to horrormovieshub.com and read my uh, intermodal ramblings on horror movies and things. Mike, can you say that again, but with more pep? It's very late. Fair enough. Well, uh, you can check me out on YouTube at Comic Macabre, my YouTube channel where I talk about uh, odd and obscure bits of esoterica from the world of comics and horror. I'm hard at work on the second episode right now, so I'll hopefully be dropping that in the next couple of weeks. There's a goddamn hype entry. Thank you, Jamie. Whoop, Anyways, whoop. Folks, there will be more of us covering X-Men stories in the future because we're all stuck at home forever, so eventually we're going to just talk these. We, we got to Thank you so much for joining us. That's a wrap. Get the hell out of here. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Cody, can you please take a big sip of your drink and say you're drinking to remember? Jamie, I'm out of drink. I've been out of drink for the last 40 minutes. Oh, it's shown. I've been coming down. I don't remember the line I was supposed to say. Also, I'm sipping empty air. Perfect, Cody. That's a wrap. Gotta bring, like, three cans of beer to these things. Ugh. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. I was engaging. Everyone was having fun. <laughs> was Cody engaging. was a good host. <laughs> <laughs> Please no, say that on your next blind date. I've never heard anyone... <laughs> yell at somebody for over a lack of beer by saying, I was engaging when I was drunk. <laughs> I was a better man! Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. This is Box Office Pulp Guy, and this has been a Pulp Podcast production. Now please, please, please... Put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger and say goodnight. And now, on with the show.